Welcome to episode two of the Footstock Deck Builder podcast. This month we have five amazing guests joining us, people who are making content, everything from blogs to live streams, pack openings, you name it. Guys are actually doing data supplies for us now, so it help you with single roulette as well as all your tournament entries. And overall, tournament winners, cornerstones of the community, you name it, guys are all here on the podcast. This month, me and each of my guests will be looking at four clubs, the final stages of the season, who are going to be the must-haves, who are the lost causes, and who could be the surprise packages we all want to finish the season strong who are you going to need stacked up in your collection who are you going to be able to trade for profit and most importantly who do you need to boost yourself up those leaderboards in the tournaments and bag yourself some tournament money all the links will be in the description of each part where you can find my guests and of course all my links will be across everything where you can find me on YouTube and everything else Twitter you name it last month guys the episode was amazing and I know a lot of you got a lot of success out of the advice we got this month is going to be no different I know you're going to have a lot of fun listening so I had a lot of fun making it guys and let's get stuck into it and joining us today guys for part four of the footstock deck builder podcast is noli or noel as he likes to be called the guy is a uh, moderating in the slack channel early adopter in the community if you need any problem if you get any problems any questions this is the guy that's answering them for you he's got an amazing blog it will be linked in the description below make sure you go and check it out but uh yeah Noel, thanks a lot for joining us mate Thank you for having me. That's a lovely introduction as well. Much appreciated. And, uh, <laughs> well, I'm happy to be here. It's the least I could do. For, for the listeners out there, I've actually messed Noel about a little bit today. We were meant to record earlier. I had some stuff to take care of, unfortunately. So uh, I'm super appreciative, mate, because I know you're super busy taking time out of your day. Kids, family, footstock, everything that's got going on. To, to yeah, no, no worries. If, if you hear some screaming in the background, then I promise it's just my kid. Um, it's not, it's, it's not. His mum's looking after him, so it should be fine. As long as it's not a prisoner, that's all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but normally, no, uh, what, what I normally do with guests, as, as you'll know firsthand, of course, is I normally say, like, who do you support? And we'll try and make sure you get them on the pod. And you're one of these people, you're kind of like, like a lot of kind of new age kind of football fans, I suppose. I know you're you're probably not in that category as such, but you're more of a football fan rather than I support this club. So we've got a lovely little pick and mix of clubs today. I won't reveal who they all are, so the listener has to stay around and listen to us chat shit for ages. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yes, we've got a, a lovely little bag of uh, different clubs to go through with yourself. No, where, where do you want us to start, mate? Okay, great. Yeah, um, I was thinking uh, we could start with Leicester City, please, if that's all right with you. Beautiful, of course, man. Now, Leicester City, let's... Um, Let's talk Leicester. So Leicester City, I think they've found a place in a heart in the hearts of a lot of football fans, obviously, over the last couple of years. Especially this season. I think uh, with them getting so strong into the top four, uh, you know, are getting getting themselves into that position. A lot of us are kinda neutral as that being. I found a nice little soft spot for them and they're a pretty exciting team to watch at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, um I mean I think that's definitely been true generally generally speaking, you know, after the over the last few seasons, obviously there was the incredible really unbelievable league win which you know endeared them to a lot of people um I've personally found that I don't know you know normally they'd be a very exciting team to talk about but the last little while to me at least they've looked even before lockdown looked a little bit jaded somehow um and they don't seem to have improved since lockdown eased I mean we're we're recording on the on the Sunday now and I think they've just finished their FA Cup game um with Chelsea which they lost, um, haven't 
really, you know, come back firing in the league either. So I don't know. They're they're a bit of a mixed bag at the moment, I would say. Do you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of Brendan Rogers' Liverpool team. Oh, you know, that kind of start the season hall, look amazing. Could they win the league? Could they do something special? And then towards the tail end, really taper off and flatter to deceive, you know? Yeah, very true, very true, yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's something to do with him, really. I mean, obviously, we, we know him pretty well from from Scottish League, where, obviously, they could afford to <laughs> afford to give up halfway through the season if they wanted and uh, <laughs> still win the title, so... Well, we pretty much did this year, didn't we? Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So the fixtures we are covering, we're covering from the fourth, uh, well, from the third of July uh, to the end of the season. Uh, so Leicester are going first of all at home at Palace, and we've got two away trips to Arsenal and Bournemouth. At home at Sheffield after that, and then they finish the season with an away trip to Spurs and at home at Man United. So with the form that we were just chatting about there, no, it's not an easy set of fixtures overall. There's a game or two in there you'd of course fancy them for, but it's a it's a tough run in for them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's fair. As as you say, I mean, Bournemouth home or away, they look beatable. Um, Sheffield United are another one that haven't really come back from lockdown, looking quite the team they were beforehand. Um, but of course, yeah, Spurs, Man U, never going to be easy games. Arsenal, again, another team that's just so unpredictable at the moment, really could go either way. It is, it's quite a... It's quite a lot of ones that just from the outside looking at those fixtures now, I wouldn't feel safe putting a bet on either way for either side, you know. So of course. it's gonna be interesting. That race for the top four is it's probably the most interesting thing about the league there now, quite easily. Uh, Leicester on fifty five points at point of recording, and then you go all the way down to Man United in six from forty nine. So with seven games, six games for Wolves to go, there's very little that splits those four clubs for those two positions, you know. Um Actually, just looking at the table, Leicester City, to my surprise, have got the second best defensive record in the league at the moment with 29 conceded. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a surprise to me as well. Although, having said that, I, you know that they've managed to keep that position quite high up in the league without, to my knowledge, or as far as I remember, really um, hammering a lot of teams, apart from that famous Southampton game, of course. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense if they haven't been really very free scoring, then they must have had a tight defence for most of the season. Um, so that does add up, I suppose. So in in, in terms of the, the kind of footstock world, I feel like uh, these fixtures. So Palace at home, uh, Bournemouth away, Sheffield at home. They're definitely the games you think. Yeah, uh, back in Leicester to some extent is probably going to reap us some rewards in terms of the tournaments, and then the other games maybe offer you some sort of a differential if you believe they're going to be getting. A result. Who in the Leicester squad no really jumps out to you at the moment? Um, yeah, as I say, it's it's a bit tricky at, at the moment, just given the fact that a lot of players have been a bit in and out of form. Um, I've kind of picked out three at different price points, you know, that could be interesting for your for your deck. And if we were going at the top end first of someone who jumps out, generally speaking, it is um, James Madison, um, who you know he's. He's a bit of a, a strange one because he started the season very well. I know um, when you had um, Ross on and he was talking about Leicester, he also also mentioned him. Um, yeah. He you know, got six goals, three assists early on. And then I remember he put a tweet out, I think it was New Year's Day, um, saying, oh, having a bit of a laugh at the FPL managers who'd sold him um, because he oh, really? got a goal or an assist or something around 
New Year's Eve, and he's done absolutely nothing since that tweet. It really, um, it's strange. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, he's. I think 2020. I don't think he's had an attacking return. You know, um, which is not like him. So he's one of those players that, if he can get back onto the form he had, he's always going to be dangerous because he takes a lot of set pieces. He's he can smash in some fantastic free kicks. You know, I know personally as an Aberdeen fan. There was one against Rangers in the last minute that I will never forget. Um, but yeah, he hasn't really been doing it of late. Um, so that's, it's a strange one. But I, I have also just kind of combing through his stats. I see he's, um, he's missed six big chances. So that's one thing that could easily have made his, his figures look a bit better. Um, created eight big chances as well. Um, and, you know, despite that, he only has the three assists. So maybe you could argue that his teammates could have helped him out a bit there at some points as well, finishing some of those chances he's been creating. But, um, yeah, you know, as I say, he's he's on he's on a lot of the corners together with Ben Chilwell taking the free kicks. So he has those things in his locker that, that are interesting for a midfielder pick when you're looking at for stock tournament. But um, the last few months, it just hasn't quite clicked. So I'm picking him, you know, with the caveat that it would have to be combined with an upturn in his personal form, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think um, from what you're saying there, obviously, like, big chances missed is a stat that I, I do hold some value in. And I didn't even realise that such a thing as finding big chances created. So we need to find out when you got that one. Um, <laughs> but it... it with top end players, I'm sure you share, share this opinion though, but it's about re- repetition. If you're constantly, you're obviously about strikers when they're in a goal drought, as long as they're getting into the position, eventually it will come. You know, eventually it will come. If yeah. these guys weren't playing, weren't doing anything, then it's a totally different animal, you know. But if they are still involved and it's just not quite coming off, Vardy's missed a chance or he's played through Ian Acho rather than Perez or something, you know, then it's a sliding doors kind of situation, you know, and before you know it, yeah those five big missed chances or whatever, one of them goes in, two of the assists happen as well. You've then got a goal output increase of 300% over whatever period <laughs> we're talking about, you know, and then yeah. everything looks totally different. Definitely. With, with, the, with the games he's got left, I, I make you right, upturning form, Palace at home, Palace are kind of waning now, Arsenal are there to be gotten at, and then you've got Bournemouth, so it's a nice, and then Sheffield. So those four games, you know, are ones that a little bit of joy can easily breed a bit more confidence and then, you know, you can maybe see that kind of early season form recapture towards the back end of the season. So I definitely yeah, yeah, fun. it's definitely, um, definitely the possibilities there. And he's one of those players that, you know, we've seen enough of him over the last few few years now. He's still young, you know, he's, he's only 23, I think, but um, it's, it's that kind of form as temporary thing. You know, he has shown his class on a lot of occasions. So you just get the feeling it's a matter of time before it starts coming to the fore again. Um, but as you say, maybe just needs that bit of, you know, bit of luck, something to click. And uh, and then they'll start firing again, hopefully from a Leicester point of view, obviously. Do you think the whole England situation maybe derailed him a little bit? It's possible, isn't it? Yeah. A lot going on there. And it, it, I think that kind of thing can, can get into someone's head, especially a, a young guy. But obviously it's very difficult to say from the outside whether that's a, a factor yeah. or not. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, it, whenever I look at the Leicester team on footstock, you know, when I joined, you know, I also had a few preconceptions about players I thought would be valuable and, you know, a few other bits and pieces. Um, what, one thing I was quite surprised about is value has probably crept up a bit since I joined, but uh, Cags, as he's called, or Soyonchu, 
Uh, at 2.48, two-star defender, PPG at the moment is 11.14. Uh, what, what, what's your kind of thoughts on him for stock-wise, Noel? Yeah, I think he is, he is an interesting one as well. He's the kind of... Um, I was I was I was living in Germany actually at the time when he was he was playing there and he looked he he looked like a good player you know someone that could could make it you know in in most of the of the other big leagues and I think he he does seem to have settled in quite well he he has a bit of goal sweat which is very important if you're if you're looking for a, a defender pick um you know from set pieces and the like and he looks quite uh, comfortable on the ball I would say which is always always a plus in the modern game. Um, so I haven't haven't looked into his stats specifically, but he seems like the kind of player that could be a useful pick, yeah. Yeah. Well, is it seen you were in Germany? Did you go watch much football? I, I watched what, what I could manage. I didn't get to as many games as I would have liked to in hindsight, you know, now that I'm here, and especially <laughs> now all the football's going on with, behind closed doors and so on. Um, but yeah, now I was living in Hamburg. I went to a few uh, HSV games, a couple of St. Pauli games, and... Uh, Oh, and uh, yeah, made the most of it. I watched Scotland when they were over playing in Dortmund. So, um, oh wow, yeah, made the most of it. I think. So I, I've actually been to I've been to Hamburg for my pal's birthday. We went and seen a St Pauli match, and we bought our tickets no off of via Gogo. I don't know if you know this website. It's quite a, it's, yes. a bit, it's a bit notorious. Yeah, so we, we paid well over the odds for the tickets. Of course, it's all in German. We get there and we're trying to get into the Nord Stand, obviously the North one. And uh, all the guys are telling us go round this way, go round this way, and they, the way they kept shuttling us was taking us into the away end and we're like no 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 this isn't right anyway two minutes before kickoff we're like fuck it you know if this is where they're telling us to go we'll go in and it was uh, St Paul against Kaiserslautern don't know if I've said that right and um, yeah that's where the tickets were they were in with the away fans you know so we went there it's like two you know we're Celtic fans St Pauli's got a bit of a, a mecca kind of situation with Celtic as you're probably aware and we've went we've bought the scarves we've bought hats you know we've bought all the St Pauli gear you know <laughs> <laughs> we're thrown into the away end with the Kaiserslautern fans and honestly what a game by the way I dug it up because I was talking somebody about it recently it might have been Ross FIFSM I might have even talked about it in the last episode but if I have I'll, I'll cut this short you know but it was some game it ended up being like uh, one each by 90 minutes and ended up finishing 3-2 before the final whistle there was a red card at the end Kaiserslautern wow. won St Pauli lost it was just one of those games that was absolutely amazing and then me and him we left the stadium like as soon as the final whistle went, all the fans we were with also were going nuts celebrating and whatever. And as soon as we left, honestly, I've never seen anything like it. Like twelve big riot truck things all turned up, guys with riot gear on, everything. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it. I, was like, I didn't realise this was a bit of a big match. You know, I know St Pauli and Hamburg, of course, is a derby. But um, but I was some experience. If you've not been to Germany to watch football. I don't think there's anyone that wouldn't recommend it who's experienced it. It was top, top level. You know, even absolutely, the, absolutely. Yeah, the atmosphere is is second to none in a lot of those stadiums, definitely. Even Bundesliga 2, you said you've seen St. Paul yourself. You know, it's still a really... It's 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 probably better than seeing, like, St. Mirren versus Hamilton or something like that. You know? <laughs> or, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, if you're you can not, say that you're, again, absolutely. And I mean, <laughs> I just I don't want to get too... Uh, too off topic here, but yeah, since you mentioned it, I also um, I went to see Union Berlin, who are in the second division oh, wow. there in Germany, and there was absolutely insane atmosphere there. And if you go to a Hertha Berlin game in the, in the first division, then it's a lot more kind of in comparison, placid, you know. So they're definitely, I think some of those second division stadiums, just because they're quite, you know, tight to the pitch and everything, you really get a good atmosphere built up in there. 
Yeah. Well, my pal that took me to Hamburg, he actually went to Berlin the year or two before to watch a Hertha game and he loved it. Um, the whole fact of, of course, to be able to drink in the stands and all the novelty that comes with that, you know, having a beer, watching the game and everything, German beer and all that stuff. But yeah, why did we get... Oh, Kagar Soyonshu, of course. Um, it was Freiburg he was at, wasn't it? Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorted. So is there, who else in, in this Leicester squad no really jumps out to you? Um, yeah, so my kind of what you might call the, the middle budget pick um, as um, someone who, again, was, was mentioned on the last pod, I think, but um, Ben Chilwell. Um, I, I mentioned him myself earlier. He, you know, he's on some of the set pieces, corners and the like. Um, one of those that, I don't know, I got the impression and a couple of other people I've seen mention this as well, seemed to have maybe had his head turned a little bit. He was off form for a while. He got linked with Chelsea and Man City, I think. and. Yep maybe got into his head. Um, but I watched the, the game against Watford uh, that they had the other week and he scored a lovely goal, yeah. um, which, you know, provides some hope that maybe he's sort of back on his game and uh, and can start turning it on again because he is that kind of fullback who's pretty useful for footstock when he's on form because he gets one or two tackles in every game as well as maybe three or four crosses per match, I think. And... As I say, as we saw the other week, he, he also has some attacking threat. You know, he's got three goals and three assists this season, which I think is, is fine for a, for a fullback in a team that, as we were saying earlier, has been blowing a bit hot and cold this season. Um, I think that's a decent return, you know. I'd agree. And the thing as well with, with Chilwell, or, or Leicester in general, of course, is Ricardo Pereira seems to be out for the rest of the season. James Justin's filling in it right back. So... That, you know the way Leicester have been this year is, is you know if you've anyone who's watched them will know is both the fullbacks are bombing forward, they're creating wide opportunities and allow some movement in the middle of the pitch. James Justin, of course, is getting a little bit of license to do that from the games I've seen Leicester play since lockdown, but he's definitely not. You know Pereira and Chilwell are equally strong fullbacks, whereas now there is a bit of a disparity. So I can imagine and probably it was, helps him the fact that he scored the other day, but I think there will be a bit more, more of an onus on pushing the left side of Leicester, you know, in terms of getting attacking possession for them and whatever, because Chilwell has the output. He's got a bit of a track record going. James Justin's his first year in the Premier League after transferring from League One, I want to say. So I think um, I think the situation he's in, no, I think you're spot on there. He can definitely cause us some damage and get us some points in those tournaments. Yeah, definitely. I mean, James Justin looks looks like a good good player, but I think I think you're right. You know, he's he's still kind of finding his, his way in the team. Pereira is a very difficult man to replace. And uh, yeah, Chilwell is definitely the kind of the more established option that you'd think might be the one more likely given that license to to bomb forward, you know, whenever possible and, and give them that width. So I think that definitely uh, helps him stand out a bit for the rest of the season in, as well. Definitely. And the thing about Chilwell, like you say, you know, he's had the transfer links going on. Will he move to Chelsea or City or whatever? You know, we'll find that out in the summer, of course. He's currently trading it out at £7.64. And I think this guy... No matter if as long as Leicester finish if Leicester finish top four, then I don't think it's a bad situation if you're holding Chilwell if he stays or moves, you know, because um he's gonna be a part of you know, if if um if you know any of these clubs were to sign him, it's to play him, you know, he's gonna be first choice there. If he stays at Leicester, of course he is first choice and they'll have European football and we expect Footstock to be rolling that out for the next season, um from but you know, by all accounts, the communication we've had from them and whatnot. So I think it's seven pounds sixty four then and of course you get the England potential as well, as much as we're talking in general terms, you know, about how well equipped they are at right back, you know, left back's not quite the same, 
you know, so you would expect him to, you know, he's going to have a lot of strings to his bow over the next little while. Uh, and with the games we've got closing in, uh, closing the season out, I think defensive-wise, he's definitely going to be up there with, with Trent in terms of the most attractive footstock fullbacks. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think what you were saying about the um, the potential kind of transfer destinations, if it if it did happen, I, for me personally, as someone who who holds a few Ben Chilwell um, cards, I think I've I've got I think I've only got three actually. But um, but regardless, I think I personally would prefer him to stay purely from the 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 point of view that I, I mean I do agree with you. I think whoever signs him, they'd be signing him because they wanted to play him. But if it was Man City, for example, you know how Pep's like with his rotating his, his team in general, <laughs> yeah. but the fullbacks, you know, more than some others, he's not going to be in that team every week. Uh, Chelsea, I could see it a bit more because obviously at the moment no one's really nailed down that spot. Alonso will play a few games. I think Emerson played in the cup today maybe. Um, but, the you know, I think the left-back spot there is up for grabs. Um, but then you come back to the set-pieces things, you know, I, I don't know if he's still going to be getting taking corners at Chelsea or Man City the same way that he does sometimes at Leicester. Um, of course, yeah, good so point. It's, there's a lot to think about, but from here to the end of the season, which is, you know, our main focus, I think he definitely looks like a good shout. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, again, but when I kind of cast my eye across the Leicester squad, there's, there's a, but again, when I open my footstock account, Leicester was one of the teams that I thought I'm definitely going to hold stock of more or I'm going to buy and acquire other ones I, I don't get in packs and whatever, because I think there's a lot of a lot of attractive players in that team. One of the things I was quite surprised about is the kind of, they all do have, you know, with the exception of the kind of, basically where we've talked about upwards, they do all have kind of relatively low PPGs in, in the midfield. You know, your guys like Ndidi, Tielemans, Pratt, um, you know, that kind of thing, which I do find odd because if they are shutting games out, they're obviously winning, getting points and stuff like that. I would have expected, especially with the dip in form Madison's had, I would have expected maybe another midfielder up there with Barnes to have a bit of a higher PPG um, in terms of the scoring matrix that we use over here. Yeah, you know? yeah you're, you're right. I said, I don't quite know what the reason might be behind that. Maybe it's partly just down to, to minutes because there has been a fair bit of chopping and changing there. I think, you know, yeah, Dennis Pratt's never really nailed down a spot. I think Tielemans has looked like a really good player on this day, but I think he's been in and out. I'm not sure if he's had some injury problems or... Um, I think, yeah, and obviously Ndidi was out for quite a while. So Chowdhury filled in sometimes, but usually got himself sent off or something. I mean, it seemed that way to me. Um, <laughs> uh, he's about so, the hatchet Chowdhury, isn't he? Yeah, so I think maybe um, maybe that's what it comes down to. You know, no one's really had the the time and run of games to really build up a good uh, run of form in, in that midfield, maybe could be the answer. Definitely. And if there was anyone else in the lesser squad you were going to pick out, Noel, who who would we be talking about? So yeah, I've I've also picked out a kind of lower end um one which is definitely more more punty. Um yeah. but it's Demari Gray. Um oh, who, you've got great I, taste, mate. And uh, <laughs> you're a fan, are you? A big fan, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh glad to, glad to hear. I think when when I checked earlier things move fast on Footstock obviously, but he was about eighty three pence to buy. Um, and yeah, he's he's only started three games this season. I think he's only averaging about half an hour on on the pitch, uh, but he has got a goal and two assists in those limited opportunities. Um, but yeah, two two main reasons that I've picked him. Um, one, as I say, I watched that Watford game the other day, and you know he really came on and changed it 
Um, he got the assist that day for, for Chilwell and he really, he looked a lot brighter when a lot of the team seemed a bit lethargic, you know. Um, yeah. So just on the basis of that performance, uh, I have a feeling he might get some more opportunities before the end of the season. Um, and uh, a personal connection for me, uh, just my, my what I like to think of as my footstock claim to fame, um, okay. is I won the first ever pro tournament on footstock back in the day. Oh. Um, which was a yeah single match tournament. It was Newcastle against Leicester, and I had Demari Gray in my team. Oh, he scored me a, a grand. I was checking now that he scored me a grand total of one point nine five points. Oh wow! Uh, but somehow that was enough to help me towards a win. Um, so yeah, he has a special place in my heart for for that for that reason. Oh, um, well, what, what I like about him is it's kind of like you described there with the assist for Chilwell's goal. He's a very dynamic winger, you know. Like, you, you come across lots of wingers that are fast and they could beat a man across the ball and whatever. But he's super high energy, you know. And what, one thing I kind of bam on about a lot is uh, players' different pedigrees, you know. And he's came through that kind of England international system in that period where they were winning tournaments, you know, World Cup winners, Euros, two on tournaments. Uh, I'm looking at his uh, international history now. He's only really looks like he's probably involved in the Euro ones rather than the World Cup ones but the now for me that that crop of English players I think you remember the summer I'm talking about where they won like the under 17 World Cup and they won Euro something you know they won a few different things yeah. I think that I think that generation of England players there's a lot of them that are maybe like Demary Gray that are, are in amongst the elite level but maybe through injury lack of opportunity whatever the the general football fan won't be completely aware of what they have to offer, if that makes sense. That's not to be yeah. condescending or anything, you know, but it's just, you know, no, it's just I, if you don't see somebody, you don't know about them. No, definitely. No, I know, I know where you're coming from. There definitely was, um, I mean, the, what had the the makings of what, you, you know, you might call another golden generation kind of thing coming through, just based on that success at the the youth, youth tournaments at that level. And it's always the way with, with those kind of situations, isn't it? There'll be some who really go on to fulfill that promise. There'll be some who disappear off the face of the earth and there'll be some, and I think Demario Gray would be in this bracket, who are still, you know, still there, still kind of in and around, looking like they could turn into something pretty good, but for whatever reason, as you say, maybe injuries, opportunities, they never quite kick on to that yeah, yeah. that next level. Um, but he's still only 23, I think, you know, there's still plenty of time for... For something to happen there but yeah unless he nails down a spot either at Leicester or somewhere else then yeah you'd have to imagine he's he's never gonna become you know one of the really big names but we'll see I suppose yeah the last thing I'll say about Demary Gray and I had this exact same thought with Jaden Sancho when he signed for Dortmund right but see when see when you get that like a young player moves from one club to another or whatever in this kind of situation Demary Gray or even Jaden Sancho the squad number they both got off the team was the same the day Jaden Sancho signed for Man City, the day Demary Gray signed for Leicester City, they got given the number seven jersey. And I think if you're going to give a young prospect that you're signing such a key jersey, and let's be honest, it is just a number, right? But it does hold significance. You know, they obviously do fancy him, you know. And I thought the same about Sancho. In, in, in his first season, he didn't really play that much. And I kind of maybe doubted my, my kind of logic. Obviously, time has also shown me kind of right in that respect. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But I think the same about Gray, you know, and I know it wasn't Rogers that signed him, of course, you know, but it's the same scouting department that unearthed, you know, your Cantes and your Mareses and whatever. They've brought the boy up and then 
however it's came about, it's came about it's a wee bit immaterial. But the fact that he has been awarded that quite prominent jersey in the team, I think it shows that they definitely fancy him. And yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that, but I can definitely see see where you're coming from with that. Yeah, it shows you know that they definitely had you know yeah faith in his ability from from the very start. So. Yeah, there's, there's still time. He'll probably get, hopefully, given some opportunities to to show what he can do. And eighty-three pence, you know, you're, you're definitely right. it is a punt, but it's it's one of these ones that if it pays off, you know, you could easily two x, three x that price. You know, um, you know, if he was to bag a couple of goals, shoot his PPG up, and then it becomes more attractive to to collectors for maybe I don't know, roulette purposes as well as the tournaments itself. You know, so yeah, eighty-three yeah. pence, mate. I'm definitely on board with that, hundred uh, percent. What what club do you want to take us to next, though? Let's let's go uh, down to London and look at West Ham. Oh, okay. So me and you were actually having a bit of a laugh at West Ham's expense, unfortunately, um, when we were kind of setting this up because they've been really weird, haven't they? Uh, you know, this season, changing manager and the transfers have spent a lot of money, but are they any good? And this, you know, they're probably going to get relegated. You know, I mean, yeah, they're, yeah, it's. They're definitely not the most inspiring team, maybe you'd say, at the moment. And they're definitely they're right in that relegation mire. Um, and I don't know, you do it's it's hard not to look at David Moyes when when you look at the state of state of that team. I don't know if he's really he's, Did you see the did you did you see the Tottenham game by Sam Tottenham? I didn't. I've seen I've seen a few highlights, but no, I didn't watch that one. Oh, see, I recommend this to any of the listeners as well. If you go and check out David Moyes' post-match interview, I've never seen a more embarrassing performance from a manager in a post-match interview in all my life. Honestly, I was sitting, I was watching it, and I actually had to put fingers over my eyes and put my thumbs in my ears. I was like, no way, this guy's actually. Oh, he was just so Tottenham won two 0 If you, if anyone out there doesn't remember, and one of the goals, it was one of those stupid. Always happens to fucking Tottenham, doesn't it? When these stupid handballs are involved, VAR gives it Tottenham's way. Um, I'm a bit bitter about that because I do support Man City, of course, in Champions League last year and whatever. <laughs> but um, but David Moyes after the game, you know, he came out and he's like, "Who was <laughs> whoever was interviewing him? I, I don't know who it was, somebody from Sky or whatever." But the first thing he said was, "Who was on VAR?" As if that really means anything, right? And then the guy's like, "Oh, I don't know, but I can find out." And then somebody obviously in his ear has told him, "Oh, it was so and so," and he says to David Moyes. Oh, it was so and so, and you can tell he doesn't have a fucking clue who that is, <laughs> or, or, or yeah, like well, he And he turns around and he goes, "Oh, well, that tells you that tells you everything you need to know." Then eh? he's not had a, you know, and it was just pure embarrassing. It's like, mate, your team were crap today. You didn't play well. You didn't have a plan A. Never mind the plan B. Don't try and come in this interview and blame that stupid VAR decision for why you lost today. Because if that goal didn't go in, they were losing it anyway. They were nowhere yeah. to be seen. No, that, that does sound quite embarrassing. I will, I'll try and try and get a look at that. But yeah, that's right. That was quite, um, it was a controversial one, wasn't it? Because as I say, I didn't see the game, but I kind of watched the, the aftermath unfolding on, on Twitter because yeah. F Fantasy Premier League then awarded the assist. To, it was Davinson Sanchez, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So they kind of admitted that he touched it, which meant he must have touched it with his hand. And nevertheless you know the goal had, had already stood um so it did sound quite ridiculous but certainly it's not a good look it's never a good look when a manager goes into a post-match interview no. after a bad defeat and immediately starts looking for excuses is it and i hate to say this as well but it's a scottish accent makes it so much worse the way he's going off you know like it, it just sounds like an idiot unfortunately you know? yeah yeah um, when he's doing that you know so the, the fixtures have got in the period we're talking about so the first game they've got actually is newcastle away which is mega tough burnley are then going down to the london stadium and then they've got 
Norwich away, which you'd expect them to win, but it is a dogfight. Watford at home, a London derby, and in their last two games, they've got a trip to Old Trafford to Man United, and then finally they finish off at the Villa. So all these games really are six-pointers. You know, they're all against teams around their level, minus, of course, your kind of Newcastle and Man United, really. But they're all teams that are involved in that lower end. So Definitely. What do we think? Yeah, I think I, I agree with you, absolutely. I think that just looking at those fixtures, that looking at the table, they look like they're in a lot of trouble. Looking at those fixtures, you have to say it's very much still in their hands because, I mean, I would argue, you know, even Newcastle, obviously St. James's Park, generally speaking, considered a very tough way, place to go with no fans. I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make. Um, you know, Burnley at home is certainly a game that you feel they could win if they turn up. Norwich are looking pretty much done and dusted, doomed. Um, so they'd hope to get some points there. Watford have... They're, I mean, I think we're going to come on to them uh, later, but they're also really struggling, you know. And and Villa on the last day of the season, if, that, if it comes down to that, you'd have to say there wouldn't be too many better games you could have to, to give yourself a, a last chance at survival than uh, Aston Villa at home at the moment. So I think it's really in their hands, but they're going to have to start, you know, getting their finger out and uh, showing what they can do. Definitely. And uh, I think as well, like, I, I, I don't know what it is, right? But I do like a lot of the individuals that are present in that squad. You know, your guys like Yarmolenko, Felipe Anderson, got a wee soft spot for Snodgrass, of course. I like Jared Bowen a lot. Seb Haller was good in Germany. There's a lot of great little Declan Rice. There's a lot of great little components in that squad, you know. Absolutely. Even Big Diop at the centre back's been linked with Man United in January, and you know, there's a lot of good things to like about their squad, and it's just not. They do, they do have some some good players. Absolutely, you're right. It's just somehow it it hasn't hasn't clicked, has it? I mean, even even before you know Moyes came in, there was a reason that that uh, that they were looking for someone new in the first place it hasn't really worked since he came in so it's one of those things where you do start to wonder um how much is down to the manager is there, are there some attitude problems there in the dressing room or something i don't know um but uh but yeah shall we shall we crack on and uh, and look at some of these these good players then yeah of course who 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 jumps to you so, yeah, again, I think this is another one that um, was mentioned on the last West Ham pod, so I don't want to be too boring, but definitely Jared Bowen would be my... They don't have too many really upper-level players on, on Footstock. You know, he's also a two-star common card, but in terms of price, he's, he's relatively expensive, so I'd pick him as my kind of top-level pick, so to speak. Um, I think he's about 640 to buy at the moment. Does that look right to you? Yep, 640 is what I've got. Um, yep, and uh, yeah, he hasn't had a huge amount of opportunities since he came in. Obviously, it was a big, big transfer from from Hull. I think nineteen million pounds, where he was smashing it for a few seasons in the Championship. Um, it's not an easy league to do well in. I mean, obviously, it's, 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 it's another step up to the Premier League, but I think he's shown some signs that he can cut it at that level. Scored a good goal already. Um, and from more specifically um, a footstock point of view, um, one thing that jumped out at me is you know he's only averaging fifty four minutes on the pitch so far, and he's averaging according to the footstock stats, you know one contest one one successful dribble, which is a massive massive part of the matrix, obviously because there's two points for each one. But um, yeah. I was looking at his stats from the Spurs game the other day, and he managed to rack up four 
successful dribbles in that game. So if that's something that he can kind of keep doing, you know, if he can build that up, that that kind of eight point eight points for nothing to get you started, then uh, that could make him very interesting if he keeps getting some more minutes and uh, keeps doing that kind of thing. I've just kind of drilled into it. I think the reason his average minutes is so low because um, when he signed. His debut was 11 minutes against City and in the following game he gets 7 minutes against Liverpool and then since then he's had 77, 89, 90, 90. So yeah, I think okay. it's just those first two games have screwed him over because he's been signed coming off the bench and whatever as well. But the thing I like about Bowen and I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, Noel, but he reminds me a lot, believe it or not, of Chris Commons. See the way he is on the pitch? You know, that kind of he's fast but not fast, he's strong but not strong, he's quite small, but he's got a dig on him, you know. He can play in the centre, he can move out wide a little bit. But, but you know, when I watch him play, I think this, this guy's a bit like Commons, you know. And uh, I don't know if that's my Celtic head talking, but um, I do like the guy a lot. And I think you're right, you know, the the Tottenham game is probably the most apt um, picture of what you can produce, you know, because the average stats, because his first couple of games were smaller minutes, you want to see a game where he's actually had a 19, maybe had some sort of contribution. So if he's actually winning more contests, the thing with tournaments, no, is, is you'll know better than, than me, certainly, is sometimes people, myself included, will make a tournament entry based on kind of raw data like that sometimes, you know, and when you're actually watching football, like, you know, you've maybe seen him against Spurs or you've seen him against one of these other teams and he's played well, you know, well, do you know what? I know that says he's only won one challenge but like you've done you've went and looked at the game and went you know what in that last game he actually had four you know so the raw you know overall data the average per match yeah isn't giving me a, a true reflection on current form or current situation you know uh, i definitely think you know if yeah if you can find find the time and you have the will then certainly you know drilling down a bit deeper sometimes can certainly dig up some uh some gems you might say before before maybe some others cotton onto it which is obviously what you want to be doing uh Generally speaking, so hopefully um, that's going to be one of those examples. As I say, he's or he's not cheap at the moment, but um, if he can kind of continue that sort of uh, return and keep adding, you know, uh, the goals that he was getting getting at Hull, then uh, he he's another one that could definitely, you know, see a price rise as well as being very handy in the tournaments when, um, as we say, those fixtures that they have coming up. West Ham might not generally be the kind of team you'd usually favour, but on some of those days, I think it'd be very tempting to chuck in a West Ham forward on the hope that their kind of relegation fight kicks in and he can he can grab a goal against, you know, Burnley, Norwich, Watford, any of those teams, Villa. It's, it's not at all far-fetched to imagine that he might. And then that's another 20 points on top of the baseline that we were talking about before, you know, so... Yeah, definitely an interesting pick. Okay, so West Ham, Bowen, of course, as you, as you kind of said at the beginning, definitely stand out based on the price alone. Uh, who, who else in that West Ham team kind of offers you some sort of value? Uh, okay, yeah, um, I'm going to caveat this one to just to say that, you know, we are mainly looking for the remainder of this season um, yeah, because yeah. my next pick is Lucas Fabianski. Oh. Um He's 35 years old, of course, so that's why I say, you know, this isn't some kind of long-term prospect <laughs> like Jared Bowen might be. Um, but, you know, firstly, I would say goalkeepers generally are quite undervalued um, once you consider the fact that they don't get minus points for conceding goals. And, you know, a lot of tournaments require you to pick a goalkeeper, pretty much any at the, the pro level. Um, and strangely enough, he's actually West Ham's highest 
PPG scorer at the moment, if I'm if I'm not wrong. Yeah, you're um, spot on. So, and you know, he's another one that obviously in the current situation with the five subs and everything, and a lot of rotation going on, everyone's a bit worried. But I think anytime he's fit, and he has had some injuries to be fair, but anytime he's fit, he's going to be the first choice in goals, isn't he? So, it's good to have some of those kind of reliable players that you can stick in your tournament team and not be jittery. You know one hour and five minutes before kickoff when you know the lineup's about to come out and you're thinking have I you know have I thrown myself under a bus here by picking someone who's only going to come on for the last 10 minutes so I think that makes him quite a quite a safe pick he averages three saves a game so that's six points from the get-go and you know as we know with goalkeepers if they if they do manage to keep a clean sheet and get those 10 points and a six point win bonus you're looking at a very solid tournament score yeah, big time, hundred percent. And at one pound twenty five, as far as like capable goalkeepers go, he's definitely amongst the cheapest. Eh? Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think that a lot again, a lot of that probably comes down to his age. Um, but as I say, if you're looking between now and the end of the season, why not? Basically, especially again, if we take another look at those fixtures, um, Newcastle, they have their moments, but they're a team that struggle for goals. Um, uh, I think you could say the same about Burnley, Norwich, Villa. You know, the West Ham haven't looked great defensively, but if they're going to get any clean sheets, then those are the kind of games when you'd hope they might do it. So the next five or six games, I think Fabianski might be quite a useful guy to have in your deck, you know? Yeah, definitely. And if, if they're for, you know, the thing I always think, um, and I was I was almost going to say this about Leicester, see when I, I kind of said, like, oh, their, their goal difference is surprisingly low. They've still they've still to play a lot of big teams, so teams that have maybe a worse goal difference than them have maybe played some of those teams already, like your Liverpool's and whatever. Whereas West Ham at the moment, you know, their form has been shit, right? Um, just to call a spade a spade. But let's imagine these six games that they've got coming up to finish the season. Imagine they had them before lockdown and they maybe picked up an additional, let's say, six points. They wouldn't really be in the situation they're in the now and would think about them totally different. So, so it may be one of the Yeah, the way the fixtures fall can can make a big difference to that kind of thing, can't it? Yeah. Yeah. Not not, not just our perception, but maybe the, the way the players feel, the way the manager feels, that kind of thing. And then obviously losing to Spurs is going to be sore for many clubs. But in the grand scheme of things, I think they will be optimistic. And I think what I just said there will be something they're probably telling themselves that, you know what, if we'd already played these games and we're, we had Tottenham still to come, Man City still to come, Liverpool still to come, yeah. and we were in that situation, we'd be much more worried. Whereas, you know, we've got all those games out of the way and all the, you know, out of the bottom the bottom five, including themselves, um, we'll include Brighton in it, we'll call it the bottom six. They've got four of them to play, uh, or three of them, sorry, I beg your pardon, between now and the end of the season. Um, you know, so they yeah. might be, they might be in a little bit of a false situation here and going into tournaments, people might underestimate them again, just looking at the form just by itself blindly without considering these other things and not pick them. And then you've got somebody else who might think, do you know what, I'm going to throw um, Fabianski and I'm going to throw in uh, Jared Bowen or uh, anyone else who we might talk about. And then those are your differential picks to get somebody from being maybe, rather than being 55th, you end up being, you know, 25th. Yeah. And then your, pay- your payout is obviously vastly different, you know, in that kind of situation or... Might even be a difference of you know something of fortieth to eighth, you know, in some situations. You know, like we've seen um slight bit of a side note, you know, but we've seen the other day um Nathan Redmond score for uh, Southampton. You know, what what was he got it was something mental, you know, for Yes, he, he got I think he finished on fifty one points, but he got he had nine successful dribbles, which is eighteen points on top of his goal. So that was yeah, crazy. 
So, you know, it's, you know, obviously I'm not saying this will happen, but it, could you see something like a Felipe Anderson in a, in a game that goes their way, scoring you points like that? And so one player that scores 58 points, no, makes a big difference to a tournament score, doesn't it? Huge, huge. And um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm not I'm not going to give the game away, but Felipe Anderson is, is not my third pick for West Ham, but he was very close. Yeah, because he is, <laughs> um, he's probably the, the guy in that squad who you think, okay, he hasn't been performing as he can, but he's the one that, you know, if he does what he's capable of, he's he's the best footballer in that squad, I would say. Um, so he's definitely capable of that, you know, 50, 50 plus score if he has a 90 minutes where he really turns up and, and is the player that we've seen, you know, before uh, in, in Italy or whatever, you know. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I heard uh, I heard reports when West Ham signed him. You know, West Ham signed him in, um, I think, previously the summer before. Man United were linked to him and a few other big teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was an, it was an Italian correspondent. And what he said was, uh, Italian football, and what he said was, West Ham fans are in for the most frustrating player they've ever known. One minute <laughs> he'll look like a Ballon d'Or contender and then you won't even know where he is for three months and then he'll show up again. Ballon d'Or contender, and then he'll disappear again. And I think we're probably experiencing a lot. That was that, yeah, that was very pro- prophetic. Actually, that's uh, that's a very good, uh, very good summary of what's actually actually come to pass. I would say so. So fair play to whichever correspondent that was. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, it was on the radio. If you know me, I've talked about the radio a lot because I hear it a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, always, always in the car. Always in the car, mate. That's right. <laughs> I've, watched, I've watched some of your streams as well. I know, I know, Quinny. Oh, good man, good man, excellent. It, it, it's really weird the situation I'm in because I feel narcissistic to assume people know things. If you know, what I mean. so <laughs> yeah. I find, so I find I repeat myself probably more often than I need to or should. So I, and I end up apologising for it and I feel like a tit and whatever. But anyway, enough about that. Um, well, no, you've told us it's not Felipe Anderson. Who is the the next one we're gonna have a peek at? Yes, yeah, so this is my um, you know uh, bargain basement level pick, and it's a bit of a. Um, a left field one I would say and full disclosure this is the only player that I'm going to talk about today that I have not seen play um, but it's Ben Johnson um, and I'll give you some reasoning behind that don't worry um, he's um, I'm not personally the type to watch a lot of youth football he's he's 20 years old um, but I know some people who do and whose opinions I trust and uh, one of those is is David Peters uh, he's known as Siege Today on Twitter and he's been on some oh, other yeah, yeah. footstock podcasts, podcasts and like and he's really into into his youth football and he speaks highly of him so that's usually you know enough for me but even going beyond that um, obviously there's a lot of a lot going on with contracts and who's renewing and who's not at the moment uh, West Ham recently announced that uh, Pablo Zabaleta and Jeremy Ngakia, who also he looks like a great prospect, but they've um, both said they're not going to renew their contracts, and they both play in you know the same position at fullback as this uh, lad uh, Ben Johnson does. Um, so that's really opened up some opportunities, I think, for him potentially between now and the end of the season. I think there's only really Ryan Fredericks sort of in front of him in the pecking order there at right back, and he's. Yeah. Um, I, don't, the best. I don't. Yeah, I don't think much of Ryan Fredericks. I know West Ham fans don't think much of Ryan Fredericks. Obviously, it seems like maybe David Moyes has a soft spot for him, so that could could be the stumbling block here. But um, I just have a feeling that if they if they do continue to struggle, then maybe uh, Ben Johnson might get a look in. 
Um, so that's why I've I've picked him out as my my cheap pick. I think he's sixty pence or something around that at the moment. Yeah, uh, definitely. Star card. Um, and uh, a little fun fact. So just so you know that I've really paid attention to his Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> He is the the nephew of Paul Parker, the the old uh, Man United uh, defender, and also the c- a cousin of Ledley King. Oh wow! So that's a bit of pedigree, a bit of heritage there. Yeah, there you have it. Exactly. He obviously has some some footballing genes or something. Um, so uh, yeah, as I say, I can't I can't go into too much detail about him because I haven't seen him personally. He only has one Premier League appearance so far. But I just, as I'm very much kind of outside punt, I have a feeling that. He might get a look in, and if not, then as I say, he's 20 years old, highly rated, so you can pick him up fairly cheap now and see what happens over the next 10 years. You know, that's another great thing about footstock, obviously. You've you've not got to worry about um, any expiry or anything. Yeah, and West Ham do love all that kind of family tie stuff. I think it's the only reason Anton Ferdinand got a professional football career. <laughs> um you know, and <laughs> yeah. there's, there's been a few things like that in the past. You know, they've had a few kind of family tree kind of thing, situations on the go over there. So that that might be enough to to get him in the door and get him on the field. And if he is good and he can show his credentials, and definitely if he's highly thought of. And see what you just said there, seize the day. You know, if if you have trusted people, and and as part of the part of the motivation for me to do this podcast, point blank, is obviously no, you're a, a minor exception to the rule, but it's to have fans of clubs on a little bit. You know, we get guys talking about the team they support, and you always get those extra little nuggets of information. You know, that just being an outsider, like air quotes, following Arsenal or following the Premier League, following Leicester, whatever, you don't get the same feel, the same grain that you do as a Leicester fan or like a West Ham fan or this kind of thing, you know. Oh, so definitely. if you've had somebody that, I don't, I don't know if he's today as a West Ham fan, but if he's engrossed in youth football and he's got that kind of extra angle opinion, then I would definitely hold a lot of value in that, mate. I exactly. Mean, so. No, I believe I believe he's a Brighton fan. I don't want to, um, don't Brighton quote fan. me on that, but I think so. But yeah, he definitely, he, he knows pretty much everything there is to know about every team down there, I think, and uh, yeah, and just sorry, one other point about Ben Johnson. He was uh, he's a he's one of those players who was originally, you know, he came he came through as a winger, and he's been converted oh. to a fullback. So that always, you know, gives you the feeling that he's probably going to be well suited to the modern game in a way, and might be able to provide that kind of attacking output, which is what you want from your defender picks on footstock as well, of course. Definitely. I'm very interested in that. No, thanks a lot for, for bestowing a wee bit of that wisdom <laughs> on us. Um, when, when I look at West Ham, just the, the last kind of thing I'd probably say about it, because there's not, you know, I, I see, I think they might surprise us form wise just because of the teams they have left, teams have played already, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, when I look at their squad, I don't know, I, I find it really, really hard to, to not like Pablo Fornals at £1.39. I don't think he's had a good season, but he definitely has talent, he definitely has pedigree, Moyes definitely likes him, he plays a lot and uh, if they are going to get some of these results you know, along with the guys we spoke about Jared Bowen, Fabianski, whatever this guy, Lanzini's not constantly fit Snodgrass is not constantly fit as we said, Felipe Anderson's hot and cold Fornals is probably the one you'd expect to get the most amount of minutes out of that clutch of players and definitely has as much ability as any of the other ones to create a goal, score a free kick you know, yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's fair. Um, I think you're probably you know, like me. You you're the type who who likes to watch a lot of football from different leagues. Um, and I've, yes. I mean my my opportunities have been more more limited since I became a dad, to be honest. But um, I watched I watched a fair bit of Fornals, you know, back when he was in in La Liga, and he was one of those players that you know when West Ham signed him, 
one, I was a bit surprised that that was the club he ended up at because I thought maybe he could have aimed a bit higher from you know the ability that I'd that I'd seen in him. Um, but two, I was excited you know to see him play in the Premier League, um, and I think he's shown one well, of those. He's shown flashes, I would say, of you know what he's capable of. I think it's tricky in a team like West Ham when the team's not really performing and he can be one of those players who comes across as a bit of a luxury maybe you know he's not not so much of a hard grafter I think it's fair to say yeah um, no, but, uh, but he's definitely got the ability yeah 100% so no let's put the people out of their misery what is the last club we're talking about oh no no <laughs> there's a lot oh, more misery yeah. to come <laughs> oh no 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 so, why did I think we'd done three oh, I'm tripping right okay cool where we go next right. <laughs> uh, next uh, I think we're going to head to Watford Watford, beautiful. Okay, now, Watford, on the, the last episode, I'd kind of said I've recently got a little bit of a soft spot for them. I don't know why. I can't really explain it too much. But um, their their form has not been great recently, you know. Um, I do like their midfield. When we look at the fixtures we've got for the period, so let's just wait for the screen to catch up with me. So, to finish the season off, we've got, oh, wait, Chelsea. Two home games in a row, Norwich and Newcastle. Away at West Ham, of course, which we've spoke about. Away at City and then, eh, sorry, home at City, then away at Arsenal. Very, very difficult final fixtures um, yes. for the position they're in at the bottom of the league, you know. Definitely. Um, yeah, I and I was quite surprised when I, you know, when I started kind of preparing for this. I actually had in mind that, that Watford were fairly safe, but you're, you're absolutely right, they're, they're far from it. Um and uh, they've definitely, yeah, they've got a tough end to the season. And just looking at those fixtures that run in the middle where they have Norwich, Newcastle and West Ham is absolutely massive for them, isn't it? Um, because oh, yeah. that's where they're going to need to pick up the points because you don't want to be you don't want to be in a situation where you've got Man City and Arsenal to come and you need, you need points, you know. Of course. Right, when I look at their squads as well, like obviously, like again, if anyone isn't aware, Delafeo seems to be out for the rest of the season, as does Isaac Success and Daryl Janmat. Uh, otherwise, squad seems to be relatively fit and available. Yeah. Uh, the midfield, as much as I like it, I'm actually examining the squad a bit closer here. The midfield, as much as I like it, there's not actually that many bodies in it. You know, I see Capu, Shalaba, Cleverly, Decour, Hughes in terms of CMs, centre mids, and um, there's not a lot of depth there, especially if they're playing three in the middle. But um, but that that's the component of the team I like. I, I like I like every one of those players. I think they're all really good, and I think when you've got a good midfield, it should help you a bit more. And Nigel Pearson started when he when he came in pretty well, and uh, since the lockdown, as I say, it's not been amazing for them. Uh, draw at Sheffield was it a draw at Sheffield United or something? No, they, yeah, struggled they, to with Leicester, and I think they lost to Burnley, didn't they? So. Oh. Yes, of course, yeah. So it's a draw with Leicester, uh, the loss to Burnley, and then they've just lost to Southampton also. Uh, so they've kind of, you know, they kind of come off the rails a little bit. Mm-hmm. For yourself, no, Watford, are they staying up in your eyes? I mean, yeah, as, um, I pretty much, I pretty much agree with with what you've said there. As I say, I thought they were safer than they actually are. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having to recalibrate my my opinions on them on on that basis. I would say I, I agree with you. They've got quite a few players that I really like the look of. So my assumption at this stage would be they will get the points they need probably from those middle three games, the Norwich, Newcastle, West Ham kind of run. And I reckon that they will they will stay up. I think there's a lot of worse teams in that area at the moment. Um, so I reckon they'll probably be all right. But uh, but obviously, you know, anything can happen, especially with the whole uh, the, 
the mess that the, the footballing world is in at the moment with so many um, unexpected events that have been happening. So a lot's going to come down to who adjusts best to this, you know, the playing behind closed doors, the use of the substitutes, that kind of thing. Yeah. So when we're looking at them, who who is it that jumps out for you for stock-wise for tournaments? Yeah, so um, I think the, I'll start with the most obvious pick, um, which is definitely higher end in terms of price, and that's um, Ismail Assar. Um, I think he's about 27, 28 quid at the moment, and uh, obviously a four-star card. Um, but he's the one in that squad, especially with, as you say, Delafeo being out injured. It's a lot of pressure on him, I think, to be the danger man, but he's the one that looks like he might be capable of it. Um, he's started pretty well, I would say, for you know, a new arrival to the league from 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 League 1. Um, I think five five goals he's got already in, in three assists. Yep. Um, so and you know on, on top of that he's got some good good stats for a solid footstock base score I guess I mean I was, as I said earlier you're always going to kind of look to those dribbles first um, and he's actually averaging under under two a game there which surprised me a little bit but he's certainly the kind of player who can get more than that on his day because he's so rapid he can go past someone like they're not there um, so he could he could rack those up and he's also averaging you know, four crosses, five ball recoveries a game, and all of that stuff kind of adds up. So I think on the days when he does get a goal or an assist, there's a good chance it's going to be a pretty strong score. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'm finding kind of parallels to what you were just saying about four now. You know, I was really surprised he went to Watford, you know, Ishmael Assar, because again, I think when he was in France, you know, it was like, oh, he's going to go to Barcelona, and oh, he's going to go to Bayern Munich, and, you know, this team wants him. And it's like, oh, he's signed for Watford. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely you one know. of those ones that kind of came out um, of nowhere, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I think I think we have to, um, like... Like I know, I know you're also involved in in football index. I'm not really active on there myself any anymore, but I know from my time uh, using that platform. I think we all we get ourselves into a bit of this mindset, you know, because of the 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 media, the media and so on, that we almost start to believe the things we want to believe that you read, yeah. you know. And so many players are getting linked to so many clubs every summer, from you know the the Barcelonas down to the West Ham Watford kind of area. So you never really know who's going to end up where until until the transfer gets confirmed. You know, and he was one of the ones that maybe ended up at a club that on on the face of it, on paper or whatever, is a, a lesser club than one might have anticipated. But you never really know what's going on behind behind closed doors, do you? And and um uh well he's he certainly seems like he's been a good addition for them so hopefully he can play a role in in uh, keeping them safe because i can't imagine him as a championship player really from what i've seen of him oh, no definitely not definitely not um it's kind of like that um who's the boy Fulham signed that everyone thought was going to be amazing uh, seri as soon as they get relegated that was him he was away to turkey you know like <laughs> that's it um but uh, but I I make it quite right. If they are going to make the points up that they need to do, they're going to get the the you know the results that they need to to stay in the league. This guy's going to play a massive part in it. Troy Deeney is obviously the number one striker. That guy is not going to be picking the ball up at the halfway line and dribbling past five people. He's going to be getting himself into the box on the last man and want to get an end of crosses. Definitely. Who's going to be who's going to be providing the crosses? It's not going to be Delafeu. He's injured. It's going to be Shmuel Assar. Maybe Femina Farr and Adam Messina from fullback, or your know, Ricardo Pereira's perhaps. But Shmuel Assar is, you know, the, the stats you've just quoted is, of course, he's one of the main providers of those 
of those situations that he thrives on. So I, I think his price is relatively justified for what you'd expect to get out of him from a Watford team, especially the games you would hope that they're going to you know, not lose, certainly, where the points yeah, will all be positive. Definitely. And I mean, he's, he's another one, you know, he's 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 22, you know, and as as you're saying, we, we were talking about, you can't imagine that he's going to be hanging around Watford if they do go down. So one way or another, I think he's going to be playing in a in a league that's of interest to to footstock users because you know I've, I'd fancy him to get a move back up to another Premier League club or someone who's playing in the Champions League Europa League next season. Um, so it's going to be. I definitely believe. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And do you know what? No, I, I wish I had some sort of stat to back this up, right? But I am like mega confident that see the amount of players that come in to the Premier League to London clubs the amount of them that quickly leave the Premier League after one season especially if they are capable football players and not duds is very very small you know I think once they're in because even Watford they will pay London wages in football terms you know they're not going to they'll pay more than Burnley by a mile but they're not necessarily a much bigger club than Burnley or you know anyone else you might care to use as an example, maybe Leicester or whatever. They all pay London wages, so they get used to that lifestyle. They're living in London. Everyone wants to live in London, apparently, and uh, you know yeah. all the kind of all the kind of things that go along with that status, lifestyle, whatever. So uh, if they were to go down, I don't imagine this guy's going to be moving out of London anytime soon. Uh, yeah, Does he no. then the interest of your Arsenal's and Chelsea's, Tottenham's, perhaps? You know, I definitely... think I think that's a very good point. I think if if they do go down, I think he's going to go to his agent. And he's going to say, okay, get on the phone to Arsenal. If they say no, get on the phone to Chelsea. If they say no, get on the phone to Spurs. And if they say no, screw it. Let's go to Crystal Palace, you know. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> probably going to go down that kind of, that kind of road. And if none of, none of that works out, then maybe they'll start looking further afield. But I can definitely see the logic behind what you're saying there. Sorry, I'm still laughing. <laughs> 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 I forgot Palace for England and that was part of the, the punch the punchline totally caught me off guard I was <laughs> West Ham. oh magic but yeah so yeah and if anyone's watched my YouTube channel you know I'm a big fan of Saron Footstock because of his single roulette dominance we hope that continues of course if you've been backing him on the single roulettes and whatever um, but he's £27 he's multifaceted in terms of the Footstock platform what you can use him for and his utility is pretty high so I think he justifies his price in that respect you know um, Point, yeah I don't I don't play a lot of roulette myself so sometimes I forget about that but that's definitely something that's built into his price isn't it yeah 100% uh, so in, in terms of Watford, we've kind of touched on we do like a lot of the players. So who's the next one you'd want to highlight? No. Yeah. So moving moving on to what you might call the 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 middle middle price point is yeah someone that you mentioned briefly. Um, Abdullah Dekori would be my next pick. Oh, and, um, yeah. He's a he's a he's a player that I like like very much. I'm also signed from from Ren, funnily enough, same place as as Sa came from a few years before, obviously. Um, and what I like about him is at, at the moment specifically is he, he did he started the season in a more kind of that more defensive central midfield role. Um, yeah. And then since Nigel Pearson's come in around about the, the turn of the year, he's really pushed him forward back to that, you know, AMC number eight, number 10, whatever you want to call it, um, which I think makes him far more appealing from a, from a fantasy football point of view, just because he's going to be getting in more of those positions to be, um, involved in in creating or or scoring goals and that has actually you know the 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 stats or or what's actually come to pass has kind of backed that up because he's got um four goals and and two assists this season and you know five of those six 
attacking returns have come in 2020, you know, since he since he shifted position. So I think that makes him an interesting an interesting pick going forward. Um that, and on, on totally top of that, you know, as as I'm sure you've you've seen him play a few times, he's that he's a very combative midfielder, I guess you'd say. He gets himself about. Um so he's also averaging over six ball recoveries a game. And again, it's those kind of things that can really add up and mean that even on the days when he's not scoring or assisting, he can get you a score that that keeps you keeps you in the hunt, you know, for those those tournament prizes. If if someone else in your team manages to to get the really big score, you still need those solid performers who will keep you in the running, you know. Definitely, and uh, I, I'm really glad you pointed out the positions we've played recently because that's something I've noticed since watching Watford a bit closer since lockdown. He's in that number ten position, as you say, is that kind of battering around, you know, where he's you know full of energy, wants to tackle, wants to pass, wants to run, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think it's a very good move by Nigel Pearson. It's the same kind of psychology. See when you see uh, an actual example escapes me. I'm sure you'll be able to give me one. But when you do see these wingers that do end up being fullbacks, I know we're talking about Ben Johnson, now, you know, but someday, you know, the the, the top end you still get that winger out of them. They're just starting in a deeper position, you know. So if you've got a really defensive player that can cause you some problems or help your team up front, just because he's in that number 10 position, he's not Mesut Ozil. He's not going to be taking a beaver, you know. <laughs> he's going to be up there, getting involved in passing and shooting and going into the box and whatever. But see, as soon as he lose possession, his instincts, and I'm sure Nigel Pearce will tell him to do the same thing, will kick in and he'll be retreating, and he'll be getting back into a solid position, try to help his team stay stable and compact, win the ball, turn over possession and go forward again. Yeah, so I, think you get a, I think you get a lot of action out of him, and I think for that kind of reason is why you'll have players like a Will Hughes, for example, and Nathaniel Shalaba, I know he has not played as much, but their PPG is a bit lower because they will be probably a bit more um, a bit more kind of static in terms yeah. of where they are on the pitch, you know, whereas he's up, down, left, right, in the box, in that box, you know, over here, over there, all that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, definitely, and uh, I think another thing that's worth mentioning about him, because uh, we haven't really focused too much on the on the star ratings so far when we've been talking about people, but he is he is a two star common card, and I think he would be a, he's a great option for for beginner tournaments because I don't think there's there's not too many two star midfielders who who have um, you know a major attacking threat together with a decent sort of baseline, you know, because as, as you say, maybe Meza Özil's in in probably the same star rating that I haven't haven't checked but I would imagine he's probably a two star. I think star he is, yeah. And I, I yeah, don't think he's a fear one. Yeah, he's he's someone who can get you a goal goal and assist, but he's not gonna be doing much else, you know. Um whereas yeah, Decoury, as you say, he's gonna be all about and you can put it down as a fairly safe bet that he'll be picking up the points here and there, whatever happens, you know. I definitely agree. I was going to ask you a wee question on, on what you're just saying there, in terms of the star rating or whatever. I was kind of thinking about this oh, maybe three or four days ago. I don't know if it's a good strategy to put in a bunch of amazing one and two star players into the pros, knowing or suspecting if they're going to play well. No one else in the pros will have them, really, because <laughs> everyone in the pros will be focused, of course, on four, five, three star players. And if you did have an amazing clutch of two stars or whatever, they did score really well. No one else in that pot is probably going to have them, you know. So, well, yeah, it's not a tactic I've tried, and I think it might be a mistake on your part to be broadcasting this because I quite like that idea. I think people might. <laughs> <try that. laughs> well, um, if anyone's listened all the way to this point, they've earned it. I would yeah, say. fair play, um, fair play. You're right. Um, 
Uh, no, that's that's a good shout because um, you're right. It's, it would definitely, if you've got a team full of, you know, what you might call differentials, um, I think I think the, the stumbling block is you do then need all of those all players to turn up <laughs> on the same yeah, day. Start. Um, yeah, but but in theory, yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting concept, and especially because of the way that the the star ratings are calculated, there are a few sort of weird outliers. You know, so there's probably. I think I think it does affect your mentality, so to speak. I I'm unlikely to put Paul Pogba, Paul Pogba, or Christian Pulisic in a pro team. I think because that one star does affect my mentality. You know, in in where where I tend to use them. Whereas in theory, they're players who who could very easily post a big enough score to help you win a pro tournament. So uh, it's definitely something worth thinking about. Well, what you just said there is exactly the train of thought I had. Basically, I was like, I'm, I'm telling myself that I don't want to put Pulisic in my pro team because he's a one star, and I probably have a four or a five star I want to have in a pro thing. And then you discount him, you forget about it. But then you put your Pulisic into the beginner, and guess what? Everyone else has done the same thing. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so your Pulisic is almost redundant. You know, um, just to use that as an example, since you used yeah, him, you know, definitely. But, yeah, um, uh, keep an eye on that. No, I definitely. Say if anyone's listened this far, it's a wee nugget for you. There you go. <laughs> so Watford, who will we finish on? Yes. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't want you to think that I've got some kind of um, fetish for for aging goalkeepers um, after picking Fabianski, <laughs> but uh, I've gone for Ben Foster. Um, similar, similar kind of reasoning, I suppose. You know, he's he's reliable. He's always going to play when he's available. He's that kind of, I would say, you know, the classic shot stopper. Keeper gets himself in front of the ball one way or another, uh, which is exactly what you need on on footstock because you're getting two points for every save, and you're not losing anything on the on the occasions when he does concede. Um, so I think at about about one pound twenty five or something, then that that makes him a a worthwhile pick as well. Um, obviously, there are downsides as well. The the age at, at thirty seven, so he's he's not going to be a a long-term shout, but again, looking between now and the end of the season, I think it's worth considering. And uh, just because we're on the topic of the star ratings, um, he is actually someone who's who's a three-star rating, um, which is a bit of a shame because I think he's another one that would be great to have as an option in beginners tournaments, uh, which which is obviously not the case. Um, but if they, if Watford do show some signs of you know being up for the fight. Between uh, between now and the end of the season, they might well might well be worth worth picking in your amateurs for those um, you know Newcastle, Norwich, West Ham games that we mentioned before, because those are three teams who really often struggle for goals. You know, so there's there's clean sheet potential in there on top of on top of the saves. Oh, definitely. I've actually just, uh, so I was thinking when I had this train of thought, did I do anything with it? And I've just checked I've, uh, my first, so the Aces one that's on there now, the big pro Aces thing, I've actually got Pulisic and Ketia and Emilio Martinez. So two one stars and a two star in it. I think okay. so. Put so, your money where so your mouth is. I think I must have done, yeah. But also I was actually, you know, small tangent and then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of carry on and all that. Ben Foster, by the way, I totally agree with everything you're saying there. I don't think there's anything much more to kind of share with the, the audience and whatever, but yeah, solid keeper, shot stopper, everything. But see, the first game of this was Wolves and, uh, who did Wolves play? Was it Villa? Um, I've seen the lineup, right? And I've seen this to John Nellis. I messaged him. Um, I looked at the lineup, full lineup, the bench, everything. 
And I don't know what happened if my brain stopped working for a second, but I did not see Adama Traore anywhere. So I took him out of my, my pro lineup before kickoff and I put in Diego Jota. And uh, you can probably imagine how well that worked out for me. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I, you might not be might not be to blame because I was also having a bit of a, a chat in one of the one of the Slack um, channels, I think it was, and uh, SofaScore initially didn't have him listed on the bench. Um, oh. and then so that's probably what you've looked at and then the you know the official Wolves Twitter account lineup tweet had him on the bench and fortunately fortunately I saw that before I changed my teams um, so what I did was I, I had two pro teams on the go and once I saw that he was he was a substitute I took him out of one and I left him in the other one uh, because we know that he can be just as dangerous coming off the bench you know against the tired legs Um but I think that's probably what's happened to you. You probably looked on SofaScore or something and seen that he wasn't anywhere, you know, to be seen. Yeah. Uh, but that's I was mega busy. And the, no- the notification came through, and I just thought I'm just gonna have a peek at this and make sure I've not got somebody like Den Donker. I actually had Den Donker in a squad to start with, and I kept him, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but but he's a kind of rotation player. You need to make sure he has a, he has you know probably yeah. starting. He's not as handy off the bench. Um. Sorted. So listen, the final club, let's, let's now we'll put them out of their misery. Um, <laughs> who's, uh, who's the final club we've got, No. Yeah, the, the misery has dragged on and on, but here we go. We're almost there. It's Manchester United. There we go. The one that everyone wants to hear about, okay? Yeah. The biggest club in the world, the one that everyone wants to talk about. They've got the best players, the best midfielders, the best haircuts, and uh, yeah, Man United. So the final pictures they've got, Bournemouth at home, that they're going to smash them. They're away to Villa. They should smash them. Southampton should be tricky at Old Trafford. Away to Palace. At home to West Ham. And uh, away to Leicester. We've touched on a few of these games already. Um, but yeah, so really really favourable, I would say, uh, running to the end of the season. Of course, there'll be an FA Cup semi-final, which hasn't been drawn yet. That'll be tossed in there somewhere. But at the moment, they've got that fourth spot to fight for. It's super tight. The game against Leicester is probably a six-pointer. And uh, otherwise... You would expect them to be quite strong throughout, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think I think that's fair. It's definitely, um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, uh, a team that um, I was picking my my FPL wild card uh, the other day, and definitely, yeah, I kind of scanned through the fixtures and thought, okay, I think three Man U picks might be a good idea here because it is a very tempting run of fixtures they have. Um, obviously, it's been quite a another kind of up and down season for them, but. Um, yeah, since since they came back, you know they had the, the draw with Spurs, beating Sheffield United, who'd been looking very solid all season. And as you said, they've just made it through um, in the FA Cup to the semi final. So they're looking like they might have come back uh, with you know the right attitude, so to speak. And um, as you say, they're definitely going to have a very close eye on that that top four, or you know maybe top five, given what's going on with Manchester City. I know I know they're a club close to your heart, so. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with UEFA and everything, but definitely, you know, United, Man United will be thinking they're in with a shout there. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, uh, you know, they've had great form. Let's call it a spade a spade. They look, um, they look night and day to where they were even eighteen months ago, even really eight months ago. Really, you know, they've they've really transformed. They've really kicked on. They've got a nice kind of gel on the go. They now. There's a lot of nice components in the team now. The thing that they do give us, of course, is a problem because. None of their players are really cheap. 
you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know they're going to win most of their games. A lot of their players are attractive, matrix friendly, etc. But it's what ones do you pick? Who's actually going to play in some of these situations? So somebody like Fred McTominay, Matic. You know, there's a bit of rotation on the go in some areas. Uh, who's who would you want to tell us about? No. Okay. Yeah. So it's 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 nice that you mentioned that because um I have I've kind of dug down and, and looked for quite a bargain basement kind of pick just for the people who are on a lower budget or whatever. Um, and it's quite a bit of an out there one, but um, it's another goalkeeper and Sergio Romero, just Ooh. because of that FA Cup result that they've had, he seems to be their cup keeper. I get the feeling all these probably going to stick with him now, even for the, the semis. So he's got at least another game to play this season. He only costs about 40p. Um, and I think it's safe to say that he'll uh, he'll get that opportunity once, maybe twice, if they do make it through to the final. And having a, a one star option for you know a big team and and someone who's very likely to play ninety minutes, I would say only in those fixtures. But nevertheless, um, I think that's quite a useful some uh, useful card to have in your locker um, for for those FA Cup tournaments, which are quite a unique thing to footstock I think not not too many platforms bother putting on tournaments for the cup games so um yeah not not going to be my most popular choice probably but I've I've chucked Sergio Romero in there do you know what I really like that no 44p because you know De Gea is not seen as De Gea of old anymore you know we all seen the, the Roy Keane rant the other, you know, the other week <laughs> yeah. there you know, so if he has played well in the cup I didn't see the cup game last night I took a night off uh, from watching football um so if he has done well, and if they do make it, to, if they were to make it to the final, I think it's in Solskjaer's interest to give him some minutes outside the cup if he is going to keep him yeah. for the final. You know, De Gea's on a shaky nail as it is. And you know what? It is a, if, yeah, listen, if you're going to put him in a league tournament, you know, not the cup, you are gambling big time. But a one yes. start in the beginner tournament, it's a 50p gamble. It's a one pound gamble. Um, and if it was coupled with some other good players, then do you know what? That could be. You know that that could be quality. It really could because if De Gea, De Gea being a two star, if other people were picking a Man United goalkeeper and De Gea's not in the lineup, all of a sudden, you know, yeah, then, yeah um, definitely. Um, and now I suppose the other thing to mention on, on in that regard is, um, and I don't know um, what what the um, kickoff times are like, but they're the kind of clubs that often gets put into that lunchtime kickoff for TV. Um, so it's possible that you might get to to see their lineup, and uh, if if Romero's in there and you've uh, you've got one in your collection then definitely you'd be very tempted to stick him in wouldn't you definitely or if you stocked up in a few of them you then see other people are going to want to buy them you've maybe got a wee trading opportunity on your hands you know, yeah, which is yeah, always that's, welcome that's true yeah it's another thing that I tend to forget about because I'm I'm a bit of a hoarder um, I very oh, wow. very rarely sell any cars at all but you're right the trading aspect of the platform is something else that's very interesting no, definitely. So listen, I like that as a left fielder, definitely. Uh, who, who else have you got for us in Man United-wise? Um, yeah, so kind of building our way up, my um, my kind of middle ground pick is uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Um, uh, I think John John Nellis also mentioned him in his, his podcast. You know, he's a great great tackler. He's got some good good stats on that. Um, he's also getting about two interceptions and two dribbles per game, which again, all all adds up. And uh, yeah, John also mentioned um, that he'd been working on his attacking play during during the lockdown, and yep. uh, yeah, lo and behold, he came back and he got an assist versus Sheffield United. So you know, maybe that's been paying off. Um, I think I still think there's room to improve that output. I think it's only his 
third assist of the season and he never really he's not someone that scores goals I would say um, but just looking at that United backline you know I think him and um, Harry Maguire are the most reliable picks the most reliable scorers and the thing with Harry Maguire of course is he has what I would say the, the disadvantage of being an, an epic card you know four star because if you're if you're picking your amateur um, tournament team you're looking for that you know special four-star player to perfect your lineup, you're not going to go for Slabhead, are you? <laughs> um, no, exactly. So, but a three-star Wambasaka is very Great tempting one. to stick into an amateur team, you know, um, as a as a reliable scorer who has a decent chance of a clean sheet in, you know, as we say, those fixtures that are coming up are quite tempting. And now also looks like he, he has an opportunity of popping up with an assist here and there. So that's that's why I've gone for him. I think him and Maguire are probably the only two certainties to start out of that Man United defence. Mm-hmm. You know, Shaw has potential to be rotated, Lindelof and Bailly. Even guys like McTominay and Matic have been dabbled with at centre back. You know, so I yeah. think um, I think you've got a great point there for less than half the pr- or more than half the price compared to Maguire and being a three star, of course. I think AWB on those merits you just spoke about is definitely um, definitely appealing. His PPG has been up, obviously, after getting his B assist the other day, which is great. And as much as you're saying he's not got a goal in him, I do agree, by the way. But he has some size of a boy. See if they put him in the box for corners. Yeah. Surely he could get on the end of something, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a, fair, it's a fair point. Yeah, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be a um, a clinical finish, does it? You know, it just has to bounce off him or, or whatever. And, the, and then you've got your points, your 20 points. So it's a, it's a fair point as well, yeah. Yeah, so keep your eyes out, see if he gets up for set pieces. Because uh, I, I think if I, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, no, you probably, you, know, you might do, but I, I coach football, I've got a UEFA badge and all that kind of stuff. Okay. And, uh, you know, when you're doing, when you're practicing attacking set pieces, especially, there's a few, you know, I can only speak for myself and what I kind of know and be exposed to, but you always, you know, you can't guarantee every cross is going to hit this spot or hit this zone or whatever. So you always look for some constants in terms of, you know, height physicality or movement of opposition players around. And Man United do have a big squad. You know, Lindelof, Matic, McTominay, by the way, if you actually see the guy next to other people, he's fucking huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maguire's a big guy. And, you know, so they do have giants, you know, in the squad. And I think that's been a Man United staple over the years. So, again, I, I would say to the listener, everything uh, everything knows it's 100% back. But as a little caveat on top of that, if you do notice, by the way, he is getting up for in the box for a, a, a deep free kick or a corner or something like that, then don't be surprised if he scores one day, you know, because he has some unit, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely something to keep an eye on. I'm just trying to think now, just thinking back to any games I've seen, because as you as you mentioned, there are a lot of big guys in that squad, so it also makes me think, I wonder if set pieces, they do chuck up, you know, the Lindelofs and uh, McTominays and so on, and maybe the fullbacks stay back but I'm not I'm really not sure about that. I would definitely have to have to look into that. I know, I know I've seen Maguire and Lindelof go up for corners and all that. I think that's you know a bit of you know centre backs it's just part of their job and yeah. you know um it's almost like they're right, you know, that like you're not taking away our right to go up for a corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only time we get a chance to get a goal bonus, you know. That's so it. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think the guys definitely go up. But again, yeah, as you say, the normal kind of trope is centre backs go up, full backs sit. But on occasion, I think maybe if you've got maybe like a midfield three of, I don't know, let's say McTominay, Fred and Bernardo, uh, Bruno Fernandez, you're probably going to have Fred sitting alongside maybe Shaw at left back. They're maybe the two guys that sit in the halfway yeah, line. Then you've maybe got a Rashford sitting out, you know, or, or you know whoever, whatever. You know, I think you kind of know what I'm babbling about. But Wan Bissaka, you know, if you see him get to the box, listeners out there, 
then a wee cheeky in play bet maybe on a goal isn't out of the order and if he wants to start scoring then his PPG and his tournament output is going to be incredible because he is getting all those other points for his winning contests you know tackles interceptions so he has a midfield he is a pardon me he's a defensive force you know Okay, cool. Uh, so, Man United. Who is uh, who else have we got? Yeah, so then we're on to the the final pick, and um, it's again just going back to the the previous um, set of episodes. It's someone that John almost picked, um, and I, I think he probably wish wish he did. Um, it's Anthony Marshall. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah, John mentioned him and uh, said that he was you know he was twenty quid, and um, since then. He's obviously he scored a hat trick and somehow he's cheaper than he was at the time. Um, he's yeah, nineteen seventy something I think to buy. Um, yeah, so he, yeah, yeah I, think he, I think he dropped down to about fourteen pounds and then since those goals he's he's moving his way back up in, in price. But I still think he looks like a pretty good value value at that price. I totally agree. And again, being a four star like you said earlier in your amateur tournaments, you do want to have that marquee four-star player going in and as far as Man United is concerned no one's going to convince me that Odin Gallo or Fred or even Slabhead is a, is a, a more credible four-star option than Martial and yeah he's actually I was a bit surprised when I looked into him he's he's really getting a lot of minutes you know he's yeah, I had him in mind as someone who would, you know, get subbed off every now and again on the hour mark, but he's averaging, I think, 82 minutes per game when he plays. Um, yeah. It's probably helped by Rashford being out injured for a while. Um, but he's, uh, yeah, he's, he gets a goal every two games or so in, in recent times. Um, he did get three successful dribbles the other night. He doesn't, I think he's one of those that he doesn't generally have a very good base score. It's more about you're sticking him in, hoping that he's going to get a goal or assist. Um, but as as he showed against Sheffield United, he is someone who's capable of those absolutely huge scores. You know, anyone who can, anyone who's able to score a Premier League hat trick is someone that you're gonna want to have available to pick in your teams, isn't it? Really, definitely. And at twenty odd quid, you know, we do expect Man United to win far more games in that run in than lose or even draw. So having somebody who's got high minute potential is on form, you know, that's a big thing with football is knowing who's hot, you know, and uh, just scoring a hat trick, the guy's not going to be low in confidence, you know, far from it. So um, I, I think he offers great value, especially when you do consider the fact that Rashford is 70 to 80 quid and Bruno is obviously 200 plus. Having Martial around 20 quid, who it, obviously he's not going to give you the same output as they do in terms of base score and whatever, but in terms of the overall package, he's not terribly different to those guys you know definitely yeah he's, he's he's only a couple of years older than Rashford and as you say he's about a quarter of the price so I, I definitely think he looks Martial looks like the the value pick if you're looking at those kind of really high level um Man United players to choose from so uh yeah that's that's definitely why why he stood out to me definitely and as far as the Man United team goes like there's I, you know I, I'm not too surprised to hear you say he gets 80 minutes because he doesn't it, I actually have the opposite opinion in terms of perception to what you maybe had at Martial, Rashford, Juan Bissaka, Slabhead, and I don't know, probably count, I'm probably talking myself out of here, but Bruno as well. They are the least likely, in my opinion, to be rotated or rested or, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. They're, they're very much the, the spine of the team, you know. Shaw might come in and out, Brandon Williams might get a shot, Daniel James might play, Greenwood might play, Matic might play, you know, Fed yeah. might play, Mata might play. But those that that little stream that I started with, for me, like when I see the Man United lineup, just make sure they're all there first, and then it's like who's on with them. 
You know, that's a fair point. I think the you know, as I say, the stats stats back you up on that. I think your your perception must have been spot on because he's, uh, as I say, he's clearly been uh, been a fixture in that side for for Ole. So yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's mainly because like if you think about the reason they signed it, Odin Agallo, they're very light up front. You yeah. know, fair enough. You know, but they don't have great depth up there. You know, so they've not really got the luck. You know, certainly earlier in the season, they've not had the luxury of will mess about with the shape or will rest people. They've had to play the best team they've had available more often than not in the Premiership, you know, to get to the position they're in. Do you know yeah, it's not? a good point, yeah. You know, so it's, it's more than that than anything. I just kind of had this image in my head that they've been very light up front, you know. And uh, especially when Pogba was injured before Bruno came in, the midfield was very light. You didn't find too much rotation in there. There was a lot of Matic, uh, Pereira, Fred... You know, it was you know, McTominay. There was a very small clutch of players that you'd expect to see more often than not, you know. But obviously, since Bruno's come in, Pog was back from injury. You know, the dynamic again changes. You know? That's right. McTominay was out injured for a while as well, wasn't he? So that, uh, yeah. Oh, I did that. No, definitely. But as I say, Man United, as much as it pains me to say it, they're probably going to win more games than they're going to lose, and they're probably going to do pretty well for the close of the season. And uh, the way the way prices go on footstock is performance enhances you know so again if you have the viability to become a good roulette option as well as a tournament card then again the price at sub 20 quid the now being in a better position than he was a few weeks ago when he was 20 quid plus is uh it's it's almost uh unbelievable you know so i think he i, I don't think he's bad value at all i think he's absolute opposite i think it's a great pick no is there, is there anyone else from Man United you would, you would want to uncover for us or, or anything? No, just uh, just one other point. Um, you've just put that into my mind now about about Martial. Just to finish, is um, I think it's a good point, but I think um, yeah, he's he's never really going to be a, a roulette beast just because of what we were saying earlier that he doesn't really have that great spread of points, which is what you really want for roulette. Someone who can win on a lot of categories. Um, yeah, you know, he's he's one of my biggest holds on footstock. I've I've picked up. Um, 11, I think, Marshall cards. but uh, And a few of them I bought because I like him as a as a pick, as a player. But I picked up quite a few on single roulette when I was hammering the strikers because he doesn't have... He's, he's a fairly easy person to beat, to be honest. So I think okay. he's probably never going to have that kind of um, roulette uh, bonus added to his price, so to speak. But you can see that as a good thing because if you want to play him in tournaments then it just makes him cheaper to buy. You know, if you compare it to someone like Troy Deeney, who we were talking about with Watford earlier, he is useful to have in your tournaments, but it kind of can pain you a little bit to pay £10 plus for someone of of that ilk when there's someone like Marshall who's only a few a few pounds more expensive, you know, and Deeney is that expensive because he's such a popular roulette pick. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking, no, it's more to educate myself and anyone else still listening. When you, so when I've said that, you've also had to be clicking just so oh, that's all you thought. What what stats is it that you see that makes you think, nah, he's not quite there for me, roulette wise? Is there one in particular, or is it the overall spread? Or um, yeah, I would say the overall spread. I'll just try and get his his card up quickly now, so I can I can take another another look. Um, but yeah, I think. What, what? Because while we're doing that, see for me, when I open his card up and I see win and clean sheet been over the 50 mark, uh, minutes played being above 60, I think is okay. It's not amazing, of course. But the goal and assist categories are pretty big. So uh, me personally, I'd have a glance at that and think, do you know what, I'm going to keep an eye on these roulette sheets, the spreadsheets that the guys are making that are out and about. I'm going to keep an eye on him and see if eventually the live stats 
may swing in his favour. But obviously, you know, I, 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 I mean, mean you make a good so. point. As I as I scan through his his card there, I can actually see what you're talking about. It could be the case that I just got lucky, and maybe he's quite good on with it. But I think, um, you know, the the things that can maybe make a difference is there are those things that come up, and you just want your player to have something. You know, someone who has zero point zero five on second assists is is worth gold because so many players have nothing for that and it'll it'll yeah. give you that boost or someone who's won one penalty at some point um because then if penalty one comes up then then you've got it you know Martial doesn't take any corners if you've got a, a striker who also gets to take a few corners then that can take out a lot of other forwards because most most strikers are in the box for the corners so I think those are yeah. the kind of things that if you spot someone who has even even just slightly above zero for a few of those stats, then it can make them very useful for the roulette. No, that's, that's a great point. Because as I've scrolled down, he's actually got zero for interceptions. You know, yeah, that second assist is a zero. You know, last man tackle, zero. Error led to goal, which is, should be a positive, zero. But yeah. uh, it's not the way roulette sees it, of course. But... Um, that's, but yeah, yeah, so you you make you make a good point because I say me, me being a relative novice to the game, I would just look at those big bars that are really prominent and think, oh, he might be useful one day. But again, like you say, mate, when you scroll down to those more niche ones that can fuck you up on roulette, yeah. <laughs> interceptions zero, you know, second goal assist that kind of I think corners that's, zero. That's the kind yeah. of thing where yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, um, going back to uh, Troy Deeney, you know, he's the kind of striker who's who's going to get himself in between the player and the ball. Most games, he's going to pick up an interception, you know, and that's the kind of thing that makes him strong on roulette, I think. Yeah, no, excellent. No, thanks a lot for kind of sharing that. That was an unsuspected little uh, little bit of info for us all. So thanks very much for that, mate. Um, Beautiful. Well, listen, though, I've had a lot of fun chatting uh, football. Let's talk with you, mate. Yeah, me too. Thank you. I'd be very surprised if the people haven't stuck about to the end because I say I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. I think we've had a lot of good points to make and whatever as well. Yeah, so for the tournaments uh, we've got for the final hurdle, I think we're going to get some really good cards out of this. Obviously, you guys hang about for the outro and you'll hear exactly what I've put together. Um, and, and again, guys, all the dis- all in the description below, all the links to Noel's blogs and everywhere you'll be able to find them. He's not really active on Twitter. He tells me he has one. It was news to me. <laughs> so that shows you how active he is. Um, but yeah, you can go check him out. And like I said at the top of the video, guys, Noel, if you have any questions, he's known as Noel with a Y at the end on Slack. He's one of the first guys I'll come back to with a response and help you out. Uh, so if you are not sure about anything, you're stuck with something, you're in two minds, he's a great, great guy to lean on and try and ask for advice and and help and information so again no thanks a lot for taking the time to speak to us today, appreciate that so very much. much thank you i really i really enjoyed it as well it's great chatting to you and uh, yeah just on a very final final note then um anyone who is listening to this and is not on the slack chat please do go and get involved because it's so so useful i think it's it helps people more than pretty much anything if you're trying to get started with footstock you don't quite know where you're at it's so easy to get so many questions answered in a matter of minutes, so definitely worth agreed. doing. No, agreed, no, excellent. Awesome, thanks a lot, guys, and I'll catch you on the next one. Cheers. Excellent, guys. Now, thanks to Noel, we're going to be picking up one Ishmael Asar, one Abdullah Dakuri, and one Ben Foster from Watford. Big fight to save themselves from relegation. I believe they can do it. From West Ham, we're going to take a, uh, a wee look at that Ben Johnson. Certainly add him into the deck that we wild card, uh, as well as Jared Bowen. From Man United, we are going to add in one Romero, just because I think that, that De Gea situation could evolve prom- uh, 
positively for him, certainly. Uh, on top of that, we're going to go with one AWB, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, one Anthony Martial. His form recently has been incredible. James Madison also finds a, a place in our deck, along with two Damari Gray and one Ben Chilwell. Thanks a lot, guys, and I'll see you on the last part. Take care.